The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah, the 44th chapter. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle lesson comes from Romans, the eighth chapter. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of this age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, 
and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to be back with you all again on this Lord's Day. I can't tell you how many times I've been blessed sitting, listening to God's Word, and I pray this morning you are blessed as well. You know that the chapter 13 of Matthew, the chapter that we're reading in right now, contains eight parables in which Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. And they speak of the past, present, and future. Now we know with God there is no time. He sees past, future, as one. Last week, we read the introductory kingdom parable where Jesus explained how the kingdom of God comes through the word of God, the word of the kingdom. In all these parables, in all really of all of Jesus speaking and action, we should remember that it was for one purpose Jesus spoke. One purpose. It wasn't merely to teach farming methods. It wasn't to entertain the crowds with nice stories. It wasn't to arouse curiosity. No, the primary reason for Jesus' parables and for everything else he did was to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came down to earth, why he was born, suffered, died, and rose again. And so in our parable for today, Jesus continues this theme of the seed. Last week it was the seed and the soil. This time it's not the soil that is the focus, but it's the good seed versus the bad seed. And I'm sure all of you who garden can relate to this. You plant your garden, you plant good seeds, and out of nowhere, you know, weeds start popping up. And you go knocking on your neighbor's door, did you do this? <laughs> now we don't do that. We don't consider that the enemy, but here Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And, and that's past tense. Jesus is speaking about what's already happened. The Son of Man has already sown his good seed. Now notice what Jesus compares the good seed to. Last week, the good seed was the Word of God. Here, he calls the good seed the children of the kingdom. He doesn't call them subjects of the kingdom. And truly, it's not even children, but sons of the kingdom. This signifies all those who are true believers in Jesus Christ. As sons, all of us, as sons, we are princes of the kingdom, not merely subjects. And as adopted sons, we are heirs. We have the right of inheritance of the kingdom by virtue of what Jesus has done. He has made you and I heirs of His kingdom. That is our Lord's Declaration to us. That, that ought to give us goosebumps. 
The field is the world. Believers in Christ, as we read, the children of the kingdom are in this world, but the sons of darkness are also in this world. Now we need to be clear, Jesus is not speaking of the weeds as everyone who currently does not believe in him. If that were the case, there would be no use for evangelism. There would be no need for us to remain on earth any longer. And there would be no hope for the lost. In other words, we cannot say to the thief, the prostitute, or the neighbor that has it out for us that you are a child of darkness. You're going to hell. They may be doing the deeds of darkness now, but that could change. Jesus alone will determine who the sons of darkness are. But that's what the servants wanted to do in the parable. They asked the master if he wanted them to go and pull the weeds up. A couple of things worth noting. Who planted the good seed? The son of man. It wasn't the servants. Who are the servants? Are they angels? Possibly. But you may remember the time the disciples, Jesus went, he was up in Galilee and heading towards Jerusalem and he, he stopped through in a town in Samaria and wanted to spend the night there, but they didn't welcome him. And his disciples said, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven? And our Lord's answer to his disciples was, no. He rebuked them. And said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. The disciples saw that Samaritan town as nothing but weeds to be gathered up and thrown into the fire. The servants in Jesus' parable sound a lot like the disciples, and maybe sometimes we ourselves. Injustice, especially if it happens to someone, to you yourself or someone you know, it makes us upset. My parents owned a small resort in southern Missouri, and we had a swimming pool, and there was a slide and a diving board. And I enjoyed the slide when I was little and the diving board when I was older. But one year, a guest's child went up the slide with his float ring, couldn't get through the safety bars, and fell off. Now he was hurt, not critically, but his parents sued my parents, and our insurance paid out handsomely. And later, we heard the, the family was boasting of their windfall, almost as if they were glad that it happened. Now, that could be considered a minor injustice, and probably most of us have experienced far worse. Hopefully not, but we've seen it, we've heard about it. Injustice goes against our grain. It's just not right. It shouldn't happen. Injustice is one thing, but what about when a downright evil action happens? <clears throat> It's hard not to feel anger when you hear about people getting knocked out in broad daylight for no reason. It's almost like a game, the knockout game. 
It's infuriating <clears throat> when someone who abuses helpless children and they're released and does more of the same. Perhaps, it, you know, have you, anybody watched The sound, sound of Freedom? Anybody seen that movie, Sound of Freedom? It, it's well worth watching. And it, it speaks to what I just mentioned. I encourage everyone to go see it. Perhaps you've experienced darkness impacting your own life. I remember reading a Lutheran Witness article about 30 years ago. There was a, I think it was a DCE and his son. They were at the St. Louis Zoo standing on the sidewalk and a, a drunk driver ran them over. And it came out later that it wasn't the, the driver's first offense. And now they were gone. Now it's important to understand the tension here that we live in between the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of power. You see, as children of the kingdom, we live in two worlds. We live in the kingdom of grace. In the church is the kingdom of grace. But we also live in the world which is run by the kingdom of power. And Lutheran theology, unlike many Christian churches, understands there's a tension between these two kingdoms. We don't mush them together and try to create a theocracy in our world. On the day of God's choosing, on the last day, both will give way to the kingdom of glory when all those who are children of the kingdom fully inherit the kingdom. But for now, we live under both the governance of power in our world but under God, under the governance of His grace. So in this world, we experience injustice. And at times, we experience evil. It shows us even the best justice system and police cannot stop these things from happening. The best they can do is to slow it down and curb it. But they can't change a person's heart. It deals <coughs> God alone can do that. And he does that through the gospel. Paul explains, we were formerly not children of the kingdom, but we were slaves to sin under the law. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit into our hearts by which we cry, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. Paul echoes Jesus' words, calling the good seed heirs of the kingdom of God. And so the tension or challenge is even though we're heirs and, and we have this hope, and it's not a fading hope or a, a passing hope, it's a real hope. Our future is certain, more certain than anything. God has guaranteed it. While we live with that hope, we live in this world 
And how do we deal with that? When we see injustice, even evil, within our midst. The three monkeys say, see no evil, hear no evil, do no evil. I think they left one out. No, they say, see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. But they leave out, do no evil. And that is one response to evil, just deny it exists. Call evil by some other term. If it harms no one, do as you please. You know, that's actually a Wiccan tenet of faith. That's their, their mantra. Harm no one and do as you please. St. Augustine said, love and do as you please. St. Augustine knew the ultimate command, command of God is to love God and love your neighbor. And if we're doing that, we will not harm them. It could just as well be the maxim of our culture today. As long as you don't hurt anyone, do as you please. There are churches today which proclaim not the gospel, but tolerance for everything. In their quest for inclusivity, they've lost sight of the need for a savior from sin. Since almost all human actions are acceptable, sin is an outdated concept. Acting contrary to God's command is just an alternative lifestyle. But Jesus said clearly he did not come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it. And he said anyone who relaxes God's commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the least. He called sin for what it was. On the other side, there are those who view certain people as good for nothing. The self-righteous who wouldn't have a conversation with such sinners or let alone invite them into their home for a meal. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. He ate with drunkards and prostitutes. He was accused of that. Even Christians can get caught up in the social, moral, and legal issues of our times. The tendency is to see those who promote certain ways of life who have anti-Christian views as they themselves are the enemy. The lifestyles they promote and what they say and do can certainly be harmful. But they do so in blind ignorance. The real enemy is the one who has sown that seed in them, who has taken them captive to do his will. As I said earlier, the sons of darkness do exist. <clears throat> in fact, that's what we were once as well. Before we came to faith in Christ and began to understand the depth of His mercy and grace and what it took to forgive us, we were blind and ignorant of God. God didn't factor into our decisions. But then God came to us Maybe it was through our parents, maybe through a friend, a classmate, a coworker. But the good seed was sown, and it sprouted and grew in our hearts. And yet we still struggle with the seeds of darkness that the enemy sows. It's the enemy who plants those. Now that doesn't absolve us 
But if we who believe in Christ and have the Holy Spirit are tempted and sometimes exhibit weeds instead of wheat, how will those who have not received the grace of God in their life produce anything else but weeds? It ought to give us pause when we see someone in such a state. How did Jesus deal with the weeds when he walked this earth? How did Jesus deal with people who exhibited no grace but only weeds in their lives? Well, we have many accounts of how Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and teachers of the law, the arrogant government officials, the content uber-rich folks. Jesus never held back on truth, but he always left the door open for his enemies to repent and believe. He didn't condemn them. He didn't pull up the weeds because he he knew there might be some wheat pulled up also. Jesus' mantra, his life purpose, is to seek and to save the lost. There will be a time for judgment. Now the door is left open for all who will believe and enter. One day it will be shut. Just as Noah's ark's door was open for years upon years while he was mocked and ridiculed for building a ship on dry land. And then on one day, that door closed. Then it will be too late. But now is the time of God's grace. So getting back to our two-kingdom theology, our Lutheran faith tells us we should take an active part in our civic life, in our society, by voting, by living in civility, and being good citizens. We ought to support those who advocate for moral and just laws. We ought to refrain from things which may be legal, yet harmful to faith. But we also know we don't do this for salvation. It doesn't make us one bit more righteous in the sight of God. What it does do is give us credibility amongst our neighbors and friends who may not know God. In order that we might give witness to Christ. If the Son of Man planted His good seed in us, then our ultimate purpose is to grow until He harvests us for heaven. Going back to last week's parable, it's to bear fruit that lasts. And that fruit that lasts is when the grace of God in our lives flows over into other people's lives. When we love our neighbor. When they're sown with his good seed. Jesus loved the rich young man who was smug and content in his wealth. His words did not condemn him, but offered him an opportunity to find life. Jesus loved the Pharisee and the teacher of the law. Even though they did evil, and they had that evil seed of self-righteousness, Jesus left that door open and challenged them. Did not condemn them. 
Jesus exemplified hating sin but loving sinners. Sometimes we get it backwards and we love the sin and hate the sinner. <laughs> That's not what our Lord calls us to. So why did Jesus tell us this parable? Well, first and foremost, He wants us to know that He has made us sons and daughters of His kingdom. We didn't take this upon ourselves. We didn't adopt ourselves into His kingdom. He did it. He came to us. It's by grace. There's no place to boast. And second, He helps us understand the reality in which we live. There isn't just wrong in this world. There is evil. Things aren't right. In our epistle lesson, we, we read how creation groans. Subject to bondage, not through its own will, but because of us. Its origin is the devil himself, and he works through those he's taken captive. Third, Jesus so shows us we live among both those who are saved and those who are not. And though we sometimes might want to root out and pull up that evil seed, pull up the weeds, that's not for us to do. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to grow as good seed, look after ourselves, take care of the weeds in our own life, ensure the enemy has not sown that seed of unbelief in our hearts. And lastly, our Lord desires that we don't fret or become anxious when we see injustice and evil abound. Jesus makes it very clear what the end is for evil weeds. You know, out of these few verses in his explanation, he devotes three verses to explaining the fate of the weeds. They will be gathered first. The good seed, the sons of the kingdom, the wheat, will witness what happens to the weeds. They will be pulled up rolled up in a bundle and cast into the fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, there will be weeping, regret over what could have been, and gnashing of teeth. There's, there's no better way to describe the bitterness that the weeds will experience. But the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. We don't see that contrast yet. We don't see the end, but Jesus gives us a picture of it as our Old Testament talked about. If God said it's going to happen, it happens. But on that day, when it happens, the difference will be eternal. Paul often admonished his readers with these words. Let nothing move you. And so, I would encourage us all to let nothing move us from our faith in Christ. Distractions, thoughts, injustice, even evil. It will be overcome. Let's pray. Lord God, we live in a fallen world. We see evil, 
hear evil, and sadly, we sometimes speak evil. Forgive us. Pour out your spirit of love and confidence upon us that we do not fear, but overcome evil with good by your grace to the end that others might hear and be saved as well. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.